Hello, welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast. This is episode number 249. My name is Adam Patterson. I'm joined today by Kevin Rakestraw. How are you, Kevin? Tired. Tired? Tired. Doing some yard work? Is that what you're doing out there? Yeah, doing that gardening. Doing some gardening? All right. Doing, doing them gardens. Planting some herbs. I haven't planted any herbs yet. We're getting there. We're getting them herbs out there. Doing some tomatoes? Getting those tomatoes. Nice. I don't like tomatoes, but I think it's cool that you're planting them. Well, thank you. Yeah, no problem. Doing it just for you. <laughs> Great. I'm going to mail all this fucking tomatoes. Mail me bushels of tomatoes. I'm going to smash them all, too. Put them in a box, smash them. That box that I still have from Ryan that's completely full of packing pants. <laughs> I'm smash all the tomatoes, put them in that box, and mail them to just, you. Just you put them in the box and just leave them in your garage for like three months and then mail them to me. <laughs> so I get a giant box of rotted tomatoes. Oh, God. I should. Yep. This week on the show, we'll be reviewing Rob Meyer's Little Boxes. We'll be going over some of what we've been watching on the watch list, along with a roundup of new releases in theaters, VOD, and Blu-ray. Remember, you can join in on the conversation by sending us an email at podcast.filmpulse.net, or sending us a tweet to add filmpulse.net. And if you like what you hear, consider helping us out by donating to our Patreon at patreon.com slash filmpulse for just a dollar a month to, to help us keep the show going. <laughs> get a speech therapy movie. I know, right? God. Flubbing all over the place this week. Speaking of Patreon, we have decided to remove all the ads from our site. So when you go to filmpulse.net, you will no longer see any ads. That means that we are going to be relying entirely on Patreon to help fund the site. Now, if you're not really familiar with what we do, it's everybody at Film Pulse does this for the love of cinema. So we don't draw a paycheck from it. Any money that we get from the Patreon just goes to keeping the site and the podcast and the hosting costs and all that stuff going. So every little bit counts. Like I said, it's only a dollar a month. That's 12 bucks a year. That's, you know, a movie ticket. Unless you're in Manhattan, then it's half a movie ticket. So again, <laughs> patreon.com forward slash film pulse. We've appreciate it so very much and we're going to have all kinds of bonus things for uh patrons as well in the future now before we get into our first review i gotta talk about this thor trailer kevin can i talk about it no moving on so the th- no, you, the, can, you can talk about the, te- the teaser trailer for thor ragnarok came out this week and i was excited for it you know our boy taika watiti directing it so i was i was mm-hmm. anticipating yeah. it Teaser trailer drops, mind blown, mind oh. blown. Oh I was I was so excited for this. I, I I'm more excited for this now than I think uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two, which I was very pretty excited about. Now I had you watch the the teaser as well. What did you think? Oh, it looked pretty good. This is, I don't know, like I haven't because I haven't seen a good number of Marvel films. I was just kind of like I didn't I didn't really know who any of these people are. Besides Thor, I didn't even recognize the Incredible Hulk at first. <laughs> when he got outside and he was like, ah, I know him from work. I'm just like, who is he? And then when they did like the super close up of his face, I was like, ah, okay, I got you. Okay. Is there an event? Is, is they're just putting them all together? Is that what we're doing now? 
It's just uh, well, yeah. I mean, this movie for also Doctor Strange movie and also a Thor movie. I mean, for the most part, since phase like phase two and phase three have been pretty much they've been kind of commingled. So there's at least uh, guest spots from the other people in this the the solo movies. Uh, I don't think anybody was in Doctor Strange. That was just their own thing. Well, I'm just saying because it's on the on the cast list that has Doctor Strange on here. So oh, oh for you're talking about for Thor. I meant yeah. I meant like for the actual Doctor Strange movie. Um, yeah, they're, they're everybody's going to be kind of connected. It's all in the it's, same. It's all in the same world, so it stands to reason that you know these super powered beings would interact with one another at some point. Yeah, it just it's it, it feels like, and I don't know if you'll. 100% get what I'm trying to go for here. It's like if you have a favorite rapper, right? And they come out with an album and you're like, man, I can't wait to listen to this. But the entire thing is just loaded, overloaded with guest spots. And they only have, end up having like four verses. Well, because it's just a bunch of other people on it. Yeah, That's sure. That's kind of what like Marvel movies feel like now. Um, I, I don't entirely agree with that. I mean, I, I can totally see if you don't like one of the characters and they happen to be in one of the other movies that, that you are excited about. But I feel like the, the, the guest spots are limited enough that it doesn't really detract from the main person's film, except for the case of Civil War, in which case, technically, that was a Captain America movie, but everybody had a huge chunk of screen time in that. Everybody was in that. So mm. I, I kind of agree with well, that. I also got to point out, this is based on not seeing any of them. So it could be just complete bullshit. Well, I think, I think Thor Ragnarok is going to be one that you should uh, consider seeing. Well, yeah, I, I will considering the director. Yeah. I, I think I that no interest in Thor whatsoever. Just, well, like no, Thor. me neither. Out of all of the Marvel current Marvel Studios slate, like his movies are always to me the weakest ones because I I also am not a big fan of Thor and I the movies they're fine but they weren't anything amazing to me. This one looks completely different. It looks wildly different than the other ones. It looks like they're going for a much more comedic approach. Uh, this one looks like it's largely going to be taking place in some other galaxy or something it looks like it's gonna be in space or something <laughs> and it looks like um there's gonna be some really interesting characters in it like jeff goldblum in there kate blanchett as the villain are you kidding me yeah that's interesting sign me up please and uh you know there's in the in that teaser trailer there were a couple little easter eggs for um for some of uh taika watiti's other movies too there was a ricky baker tag in one of the scenes if you look in the background yeah so i think that it's going to be really fun so i'm excited for thor ragnarok i think it's you know it's interesting like guardians of the galaxy sort of has this style too and thor ragnarok definitely does especially with the music they played and then like the kind of the title card for it it's got this like 70s sci-fi vibe to it which i feel like we haven't really seen a lot of that except for Guardians of the, I felt like the first Guardians of the Galaxy was really kind of harkening back to the heavy metal 70s style sci-fi movies. And I feel like Thor, the new Thor is going to do the same thing, which I'm kind of digging. Hmm. Well, we'll see. We'll yeah. see if he delivers the goods. 
I think he will. I'm, I'm very confident with that. Uh, I guess I should also mention that the new Star Wars trailer came out for The Last Jedi. A little teaser, a little teaser for The Last Jedi. To me, this trailer didn't, it didn't really do a whole lot for me. It got me sort of excited to see it, I guess. There was this one really, really cool scene um, involving all these ships that were kind of skimming across this planet, and the, the top of the soil of the planet was white and the soil like underneath was all red so it gave this really kind of cool smoky red look as it as they flew across this planet that was that was really cool bradford young doing the cinematography on that one so Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, ryan johnson directing it very excited the teaser didn't really do it for me but i think the movie itself is going to be uh incredible let's move on talk about some little boxes all i can think about and i'm sure that this is what it's in reference to is that the weeds that show weeds the opening theme song i can't remember who originally sang that song but it was like yeah, that, 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 i think it is i think it is based after that yeah i'm i'm pretty sure it is just because of the uh what that what that song was all about with uh like suburbia and all of that that's right the old suburbia <laughs> Got it's, weird. it's a weird place isn't it yeah got to love suburbia so this is Directed by Rob Meyer, written by Annie J. Howell. I have a synopsis here. An interracial family struggles to adjust when they move from New York City to a small, predominantly white town in Washington State. This stars Melanie Linsky, uh, Nelson Ellis, and Armani Jackson. Uh, I guess I'll start this one off. So Little Boxes, I thought, was okay. I didn't love it. I didn't hate it. It was just kind of right down the middle for me. Uh, I, th- I felt like they were playing with some really interesting concepts. I like the idea of the interracial family moving into this like predominantly white, probably very liberal uh, kind of suburban area, and just how you have this sort of, uh, I don't want to call it casual racism, but that type of racism that is because white people are so overtly trying not to be racist that they are yeah, racist. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, like where they're just, they, they try to. And there's a, there's a little bit of all kinds of racism in there. Cause there is some casual the, racism. There is. There. Yeah, I guess. There and there's is. some just like straightforward racism. And then there's just that. The, the essentially just making them feel. Cause they just kind of seem like they're really excited to have a black. Person. Right. Yeah. Especially like the, the young girl. I mean, that's like one of the whole kind of plot lines. Uh, what's her name? Una Lawrence plays this girl, Ambrosia. I mean, come on now. Ambrosia. Yeah, that, that name just kind of... That, that sums it all <laughs> up, doesn't it? That, you can say, like, the young girl's name is Ambrosia, and that kind of gives you an idea of exactly what kind of development we're, we're working with here. You can just say, you can kind of map out the whole area just based on that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it, it, she she was just so excited to have a black friend. And then something happens near the end of the movie that, that really kind of hammers that home. And you're just like, okay, well, I mean, by that point, we already knew what, what her ulterior motives were on this this whole thing. But yeah. that, that just solidified everything. Uh, the the thing about it is it didn't, it didn't really swing far enough one way or the other with it. Like, I felt like if they're looking to, to tackle something like racism they didn't they didn't really do a lot 
with that. They didn't have a lot to say about that other than that it exists, that it's something that pe- people have to deal with in, yeah, in, these, found, in these kinds of environments. I did. I, yeah, and that's kind of what I found kind of peculiar in that that was kind of the entire basis of the movie. But for a large chunk of its runtime, it just it didn't seem like it was comfortable in delving into any of those topics outside of just like you said, just kind of throwing little little spritzes out here and there of like, hey, it exists, it exists. And then it's just kind of like the, you know, towards the end of the film, it seemed like he was running out of time. And it's like, okay, we, we have to tackle this because this is the whole reason we're making this movie. And then they just kind of rushed through it real quick. Yeah. And the movie over. And it's just kind of like, because there was a part of me that was thinking, um, I was probably like an hour or so into the movie and I'm thinking, when are we, like, are we... Is there conflict? Are we yeah, getting, there's really... Are we, are we going to tackle something here? Or what are we doing? And then I noticed that like I was an hour in. It's like, geez, this is almost over. We really haven't done anything. Yeah. I think, the, I mean, to me, the only thing that like captivated me in any way whatsoever was him trying to sniff out that mold. <laughs> yeah, he was really... Man, So they so they move into this house... And Melanie Linsky's character is the only one who has seen the house previously. The dad and the son have not seen the house yet. They move in, and right away, uh, his name's Mac uh, Nelson Ellis's character. He immediately smells this mold, like he knows it's there, and he is just—he's on the hunt. He is on the hunt for I just, that mold. I just—I love it how he's like—he's walking out of the door, and he's just like, "Hold up, like, that smells like mold." <laughs> And then, like, the rest of the movie is just, like, him every so often just, like, trying to hunt out that mold. And I was, like, confused. Uh, well, I wasn't confused, but I was wondering. I was, like, where are they going to take this? Because it seems like he's going mad. It seems like he is losing his mind over this this mold and this, this situation in this new community that they're living in. And I couldn't really... I didn't know which way that they were going to take it. Because at first, it seems like, you know, Melanie Linsky's character, she's kind of thriving in this new community whereas nelson ellis is really he's really struggling he's getting like he doesn't have a stove to cook on he's got mold everywhere he's kind of trapped in this house he's going stir crazy and then armani jackson's character clark he he seems to assimilate very quickly although i thought it was interesting how you move away from the city and he starts to he starts to change himself into the kind of uh, stereotypical black man that these kids want him to be. Mm-hmm. And it's, yeah. and it's like a, just a very confusing thing for his parents. Like when he starts using slang terms and stuff that he never used before and starts acting out in that way. I thought that that was kind of interesting, but I, f- I also felt like the character of Clark just was, he felt a little bit flat for me. Like I didn't really know what his motivations were because I get that he was trying to make friends and stuff, but at the beginning of the film, you know, when he's playing chess with his friend in New York and stuff, it seemed like this kid had a really good head on his shoulders and he seemed to know exactly what he wanted and, and, you know, have a, have a firm grasp of people. And it seemed awkward to me that he would just so openly want to become friends with these two girls who he was very, it seemed like he was very intimidated by at the beginning. And it's like, why would he continue to pursue 
friendship with these girls. Like, I just don't really get it. But then again, it could just be a kid thing. Yeah, it's just these hormones are starting to kick in. Yeah. Takes over. He doesn't know what's going on. Yep, I guess I guess that's what it is. But yeah, I mean, it was kind of interesting in that way is that, that how quickly he, he does assimilate into it. And but I don't know, it just it just like especially uh Linsky's character, it didn't really seem like there was much on her end. Like her when she's by herself with her new career and stuff, it just didn't really feel like there was anything there. No, there was that one so she she moves to they move to this town it's called Rome i believe um in in order for her to she gets a new job as a professor at the local college and she quickly meets up with this group of women who are also professors and they kind of pull her into their to their group and she's trying to fit in and I can't, I really, I really don't know if she was into it or if she didn't really like hanging out with them. She was just trying to do it to, you know, keep, keep everything at a normal level or, or what was going on with that. Because then there's, there's something that happens later on that sort of is an issue, I guess, when, when she's at the bar and she's drinking too much. Yeah. She drinks a little bit too much. Yeah. It was, I don't know. It's just a lot of little things here and there that it seemed, I don't know, I guess they were, it almost felt like they were just really hoping that these, all these little tiny bits would kind of pile up and make for something, but it doesn't. Right. It's just, it's just to me. And I pretty much agree with you where <clears throat> I didn't, I didn't necessarily like it. I didn't necessarily hate it. I, you know, I found it inoffensive and just kind of right down the middle like uh, okay you know i guess it constitutes a film yeah <laughs> but i mean i'm not gonna remember this thing i'm not gonna remember little boxes no tomorrow. unfortunately i'm not, I'm not either i'm barely remembering it now yeah i mean the the comedy aspect it was it i felt was very light on the comedy i didn't think a lot of it was very funny but then again i didn't think a lot of it was intentionally funny either like the the kind of intentionally funny things i thought they landed for the most part but i thought that by and large it was just kind of this i don't even want to i don't even want to say it was like a coming of age drama because they i felt like that they spent equal parts time with the parents yeah so it wasn't really a coming of age story either so it was just kind of a mashup of a lot of different things no it just more came down to like they just they didn't get their boxes. They just didn't have their stuff. They did not have which their I, stuff. Which I didn't. I don't know if it, that was trying to make like a comment that they didn't really have like their identities because they didn't have all their stuff. It kind of made up who they were. But I don't know. I don't know it either. Because it, it didn't. It, it nothing really worked for me outside of like what's it, Nelson Ellis. Yeah, I liked him. I thought he was pretty good performance. Yeah, I agree. And I I I didn't know going in. All right. That it was Melanie Linsky. I'm sure she's a great person and everything. She's a solid actor. But I'm at the point now with the indies. It's too much. When she shows up, I'm just like, oh, it's gonna be one of those movies. It's okay. too much. It's like I can't, I can't, I can't do this. Not another, not another one. Not another one of these. Yeah, I'm, I'm in complete agreement with you on that, on that front. Slow it down. There's other people working, right? Cast somebody else. Get like Lindsay Burge or one of these other, yeah, like, other big indie actresses. I mean, good for her that she's getting work like crazy left and right, but let's mix it up a little bit. Yeah. 
Because yeah. it's the same character too. Yeah, it's the same she, character every time. She does. Yeah, she plays. She does play the same character, and she was the same character in that uh, that Duplass Brothers show that was on HBO for two seasons too. So yeah, I think we've yeah, I'm ready to move it's, on with that. It's it's run its course, right? Getting back to what you were saying about the their stuff being linked to their identity, uh, I I don't. Like at first, I thought that that was kind of where what they were trying to say as well. But then there's that kind of argument that the two that Melanie Linsky and, and Nelson Ellis have regarding that, where he's really pissed that their stuff's not there, and she's like, you know, whatever, it's just your stuff, get over it. And I think that maybe that was kind of uh, that that argument kind of played into the idea that that was yeah that was it. I but did, you know, I think I, I, I did find that a bit odd too. I'm like, you have nothing. Like, should you not be a little bit more concerned? Like, your your stuff has not arrived yet. And I that was just a weird... I thought that that was a bit odd, too, the way that that played out with, like, the, the moving company. Yeah. Being pissed off at him and stuff. And, and it was like, just, what, what, what? I don't understand what he did. Like, I don't know. I, he I'm... called complain because you guys... Like, where were you? They were like, they were like going weeks without stuff. Like it doesn't take that long. Yeah, to drive New York to Washington State. Yeah, I was a, I was a little bit unclear as to why that was all happening. Like that that huge conflict between them and the and the movers. I felt like it was I don't know. They didn't they needed to do more of that. Show another scene of him arguing with them on the phone or something because I didn't feel like any of that was justified. Like they have no, no reason to be yeah. so angry about all of this. And it's just it's really weird too that. Once that finally comes to fruition, it ends or concludes or whatever, and you have Armani Jackson kind of like running off, like, we're not bad people. And it's just like, I didn't know that this was such a big thing. Well, I don't know. I like, don't know if they really were. Affect him. I don't know if they were being more rude to him on the phone because they knew he was black. And I, so I think that that could have been a race thing where they could were, they were. De- deliberately being more rude and, and speaking down to him because they knew that he was a black man. Yeah. I don't know. I think that what the, the, the issues of race that, it, that it attempted to tackle, is just, I, I just thought they were poorly handled. I just, I didn't, I didn't feel anything there. You know what I mean? It's interesting. It didn't feel like, I, it didn't feel like a Frank depiction or, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, this is genuine. Which is which is interesting because we don't see a lot of these types of movies where it involves middle class uh, African American families living in predominantly white suburban neighborhoods. We just we don't see a whole lot of that in in movies. I know that it, some TV shows are tackling it now, like that um, Blackish, mm-hmm. the, that uh, yeah. the Anthony Anderson one. Um, but we don't see it a whole lot in, in movies, and I think that it is. Uh, an interesting topic to to look at because anytime you hear about issues of race, you normally think about the extreme versions of that, you know, and you look at how black people are treated in urban areas and more more predominantly in like southern southern yeah. areas. And I mean, they, they they did get it they, like in one little scene, which felt a tiny bit well maybe it wasn't really forced i guess it was a bit natural you know when they're at the bar and he was like if you close your eyes you couldn't even tell that yeah black. it's like i've heard that before yeah i I've think people say that 
So have I. And I, and I think that if, if that's a topic that they were really looking to delve into with this movie, they should have done more things like that where, you know, it's in this, they're, they're in this new area. They don't have their stuff. They're, they're feeling a loss of identity and all these people around them that seem a little too eager to get to know them just, just because they're black. And I, I feel like if they kind of went into that a little bit more, it would have been. Well, they're also just, a lot of them are just weird. Like, that guy was just weird. He like, was. Did he have to be an erotic thriller writer? Like, that seems a bit much. This chapter about butts or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and he just offers him drugs right away. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, that guy felt uh, just out of place. Yeah, he was a caricature. Yeah. I, it's just none of this worked for me. Yeah, unfortunately it didn't work for me, too. And I was, I was, I heard good things about it, so... Yeah, uh, Little Boxes, that's available now on VOD platforms. Let's go ahead and give it a score. Kevin, what are you going to give it? I'll give it like a five, four and a half, five. All right, I'm going to go with a 5.5 on this one. Let's move on, talk about something we're watching on the watch list. I saw Lupin the Third. Ooh. This is the live action Lupin the Third. I don't know if you remember, do you remember the anime? They used, yeah, to always, they, used to, they used to always play it on Cartoon Network. I think it was oh on Adult God, Swim. Yes. Yeah, I think you're right. It was one of the early uh, anime shows that they showed on Adult Swim. Never, yeah, li- I, never liked it. Never, never was a big fan of Lupin the Third. And then wasn't it? It ended up being like one of the shows that was on, you know, at like the ungodly hour, mm-hmm. <laughs> like four in the morning or something. Yeah, it was, it was just to a Lupin the Third. They played like Lupin the Third, and what was that? Gigantor, or maybe that was Toonami. I think that might have been Toonami. Is this is this the Kitamura? Yes, it is. That's weird because I watched the Kitamura movie too. Really? Yeah, that's weird. Which one? Which what did you watch? Midnight Meat Train. Oh, okay, interesting. Okay, we'll get to that in a you, second. You talk, you talk about Lupin, and then I'll talk yeah. about Midnight Meat Train. So this is this has been a it's been a long time since I've seen a movie by this director. Uh, I don't know how to pronounce his first name, but I'll say Ruhai Kitamura. Uh, he did Versus, which uh, if you listen to, I guess it was last week's show, we talked about how Kevin and I used to frequently just blind buy Asian movies on eBay and just devoured these movies uh, just nonstop for probably a year or so at least. Uh, yeah. And one of the movies that I, that I got was Versus. And we love, I mean, I, I don't remember if you loved it, but I loved Versus. Oh yeah, because I have a I have a Sumi, and yeah, and that one that one was great too. Azumi was great. A lot alive. alive was also great, and so I was a big fan of this director. And I felt like he came over to America and did Midnight Meat Train, and he did No One Lives, and then that's pretty much it. I think the last movie he did was No One Lives, which came out in like 2013 or something. Um, other than Lupin the Third, which was his latest movie, which came out in 2014. Uh, anyway, Lupin, it's based on the popular anime series that's been going on for, I don't know, there were like seven series of it or something. Started back in the 60s with a manga, and then they developed it into a show in, I think, the 70s at some point. Very popular over in Japan. It's about a uh, group of thieves, and the live-action movie wasn't great. It was... One of these deals, I would compare it to maybe the Phoenix Wright movie, the, the Miyake mm. one, where 
they tried to kind of make it basically a live action anime where they made it really, really over the top and sort of goofy in a lot of ways. Uh, the, the movie itself was over two hours long and it felt like it was just never going to end. There were a lot of false endings. And while it was somewhat interesting, there were some kind of cool heist scenes in it. Uh, overall, I just found it to be pretty, pretty forgettable, unfortunately. There were some really, really stylish, uh, stylish action sequences, but nothing, nothing too great, unfortunately. And a lot of it just came off as being really silly, really, really silly. A lot of really kind of dumb, illogical things happened in it. But uh, it was slightly entertaining, I would say. So, hmm. yeah, but I probably couldn't recommend it. And it's Lupin the Third. Uh, that's a bummer. Yeah. Uh, Midnight Meat Train. This uh, this one, I'm kind of like back and forth on. I was a big right? fan of this one. Now, the one thing. Now, you probably saw this back in 2008. Yeah. You know, yeah. Right? So, if you watch it now, the effects are, oh boy. Are they bad? Oh, they're CGI blood, like some of the worst that I think I've ever seen. Oh it's, no! It's it's so it's so shiny. It just stands out. It's really shiny and it shimmers. It looks like silk. It looks like little pieces of silk fabric just floating in the wind. Well, this is right when it comes out of the like if a guy gets a mallet to the side of the face, it comes to like little ribbons of silk fly out instead of blood. It's it's kind of bizarre and it it's. It's a bit jarring because you're just like, that's not blood. That doesn't look right. What the hell's going on here? And then what ends up happening is it becomes a bit humorous because it's so over the top, mm-hmm. which eh, maybe he had like a tongue in cheek thing going here. But, you know, when you when you couple that with the story that it's trying to tell, you know, with the, uh, the, the killer, his personality, it just doesn't seem to add up. I mean, there's one scene where... A guy gets the mallet, and he's got this ridiculous oversized mallet for the people that haven't seen this movie. <laughs> guy just gets a hit in the back. And, like, they see him coming most most times. They see him walking down with the mallet, and no one really does anything. They're just like, oh, I wonder what's going to happen. It's a mallet. What do you think's going to happen? Gets smashed in the back of the head. Silk ribbons everywhere, just all over the place. And, it, like, his head turns... And there's this terrible effect of his eye. He hit him so hard in the back of the head that his eyes fly out. And it's right when his like face turns to the screen. So I don't know if this, it, it almost feels like it was, it was made for 3D. Cause I, I'm pretty sure that he wanted to have the effect that like the eyes are coming out at you. And it just, it was hilarious. And uh, I didn't know Bradley Cooper was in this. Yeah. He's like the main guy. Yeah. I didn't know that. Uh, He's not good. <laughs> this He's was not a good job. I think this was one of his. Had to be one of his first movies. I'm pretty sure it, it had to be a really early one for him. There's a couple of spots where it's just some of his line delivery just again makes it really comical. And but on one hand, I do appreciate where the story went. I was not expecting it to go where it went because at first I'm just like, this makes no sense. How can he be killing people on a train? doing his whole shtick with the butcher stuff and never get caught. I yeah. mean, this is just ludicrous. Yeah, it takes... How does, how does he never get blood on his suit? Why does he have to wear a suit? I don't understand any of this. 
And then once, you know, it kind of, it like teases you and you're just like, oh shit, it's that kind of movie. And then when it explains it at the end, you're just like, you kind of got to hand it to him. You're like, you, you just want bad shit with it. Yeah. <laughs> it takes a supernatural to yeah. for sure. And, and then, that was the part that like, it kind of won me a little bit at the end where I was like, well, this is just bad shit saying, okay. But I, the only, the only, the bummer thing about that is much of this movie is uh, a bit uneventful. There's not much going on. Yeah. If I remember correctly, it's a lot of him just trying to uh, find like Vinnie Jones again. Right. Like him, yeah, him yeah. just trying to photograph him. Yeah. And it's like, dude gets on the train all the time. Like you'd learn that out pretty quickly. Like just get on that train. And then he finally musters up the courage and he gets on that train and he wishes he never did. Yeah. Thing, things don't but end. I, Spoiler, I things do, don't end well for him. I do love that like when he finally like he's like, Oh, okay, I'm gonna confront him on the meat train. And he goes to like the butcher place, you know, mm-hmm. like where he works. And for whatever reason they just have aprons hanging and they have a wall of like all these knives. I guess if you forget to bring knives that day, it's like a community board of knives that you can just take sure. and use for work day. And he's like loading up like a superhero. <laughs> It's like, oh my god, he's a, he's a superhero butcher. This is, and then he like jumps on the train. Oh my goodness, so ridiculous. Yeah, that's Midnight Meat Train. I mean, with a title like Midnight Meat Train, you almost have to think that they were going for a little bit of a tongue in cheek vibe with that. Yeah, movie. which I'm pretty sure they were, but it, they didn't. I, to me, they didn't. They didn't go for it enough. No, it was never really clear. I mean, everything in the movie is played straight, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. Still, I had a good time with it. It was an alright time. Uh, no, granted, I haven't seen it in many years, so I have to re- yeah, t- might have to revisit that one. This it's on Netflix. Okay. So if uh, if you get a chance, I I just I think that's the bizarre that we both watched Kidomar. It's yeah, it's really weird. Uh, I saw I started watching the new Mystery Science Theater three thousand, and uh, first of all, I should preface it by saying I was never a a diehard fan of that series. I liked the series. Mm-hmm. I've seen many of the episodes, but far from the full, you know, the full series up until this point. So I was like kind of a, a casual fan, I guess. Yeah. I'm, I'm very much the same. Like I liked it, but I didn't, I wasn't in love with it. Like so many, so many other people were. So when the new one was announced, I was, I was pretty excited. I was really excited to see that it did so well on Kickstarter and the new season or the new series is out now. So I decided to give it a look. And the thing that kind of struck me immediately was how true to the original series it really is. I mean, everything is, it feels the exact same, even though everybody, like it's a whole new cast. Like you have Felicia Day and Patton Oswalt as the two kind of villains. And you have a new, it's not Joel anymore. It's Jonah. And it's, even though it's like a new cast, it feels very much uh, true to the original. Like all the transitions, you know, with the cool kind of uh, model work that they do to count down the movie and all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, like all of that's there. The, the, they even have kind of commercial break transitions in it, even though it's it's like on Netflix, so they don't really need that. But they, they put them in anyway, just kind of as an homage to the original. So it feels very authentic to the original MST3K. So I watched the first three uh, episodes, the first three movies, which were Reptilicus from mm-hmm. 1961, 
Cry Wilderness from 87, and then The Time Travelers from 1964. Reptilicus and The Time Travelers are both these kind of uh, cheesy sci-fi movies. The first one is about a giant reptile creature, like a kaiju-style movie that's just terrible. And the other one is about uh, these these people who accidentally travel 100,000 years into the future. It's ridiculous, but very it's pretty fun. I thought Reptilicus was actually kind of the weakest of the bunch. But Cry Wilderness, this is, out of the three, this is the one that I was all about this one. It was hilarious. It's about this kid who befriends Bigfoot, and none of the adults believe that Bigfoot's real. But then uh, something happens where they have to, they, like, they have to believe in Bigfoot. And it is just, it's this family movie, sort of, but it's just so bonkers. I, I, I had a great time with it. Bigfoot loves Coca-Cola and transistor radios. <laughs> mm. So, Cry Wilderness, so far, out of the three that I watched, that one was the best, the best one. The jokes in the, in the show are pretty good. The way, that, the way that Mystery Science Theater 3000 works is they're rapid-firing jokes throughout the whole movie. And you need to understand that not, not a lot of them are going to land for you. You just need to kind of accept that. And if you accept that, then you'll go into it having a much more enjoyable experience. Because when those jokes do land, it's, it's amazing. Yeah. I mean, when you kind of get in that, you're just throwing them out there. Yeah. They're, they're not all going to stick. Exactly. And they, they, they do a really wide range of jokes. They, they made a you can't do that on television joke, which I appreciated. Uh, there, there are a couple other really kind of obscure jokes that they threw out there that I was like, all right, clever. But uh, so far, really enjoying it. It's on Netflix now, so you can check out the whole, the whole series. So I, I would suggest you do so. And Cry Wilderness, so far, my favorite. Yeah, I'm going to have to check that out at some point. In time. Like I said, I'm a casual fan, so who knows when I'm going to get around to that. Yeah, and you don't, have to, you, know, you don't have to watch them in order. Because they're they're just movies, so you yeah, I might just... have to I might have to check out that one. Be friends, Bigfoot. <laughs> it's so, it's so bad, it's amazing. Re- remake that shit. That's a good movie to remake. I right know. There. Just pick those bizarre ones, remake them. I have I watched um, Varda's fourth film, right? It's called The Creatures. I'm a big fan of Varda, and this one is pretty pretty underseen, right? It's not one of her more famous films right so kind of jumped at the opportunity to watch this on movie.com and uh man i was not uh i was not ready for what this movie entails it it's not like anything i've seen from varda before it's a bit it's a bit experimental um it's slightly sci-fi which i was not ready for at all it's got it's got uh the, the main couple, married couple at, at the center, uh, Catherine Deneuve and Michelle Piccoli, they uh, living in this like fishing town, right? She's a mute. She lives up in the tower. She doesn't ever come out. He goes into town occasionally, do some stuff. He's working on a new novel, right? And there ends up being mind control, right? You got mm-hmm. these coins. Mm-hmm. You got these coins. And this guy uses to uh to uh local little girls coins you can control people you can control their minds make them do whatever you want right 
Uh, it's got Piccoli beating up uh, a hotel staff with a dead cat. That's going on. Okay. All right. You're not 100% sure what's real and what's not because a lot of it seems to be what he's writing. Ah, one of those. So you're, yeah. So you're not even sure what the hell is going on half the time. You don't know if it's part of his novel that he's writing or if it's real life or who the hell knows. <clears throat> and then there ends up being more mind control where they just, they go into this essentially like a chess game where they just control people and do like a real life game of chess and just try and, and it's essentially just relationships. One guy's trying to keep couples together. The other guy's trying to destroy them, which is, it's just, it's really bizarre. It's not anything that I would ever would have expected from, you know, going into a Varda film. I would not be thinking, okay, I'm going to watch this Varda film and, more than likely, it's probably going to be about mind control, like a sci-fi movie where they make people like this game of chess. I was not thinking that at all. Mm-hmm. I don't think I ever would until now that I've seen the creatures and I know that that's in her repertoire. Hmm. So anything's possible with Varda, apparently. And the, the great, you know, all that stuff is pretty, pretty bonkers out there. Um but a large portion of this, there's just there's such a vitality to her filmmaking. It's just a lot of fun with the the cuts, her tracking shots. Uh, when people are having their minds controlled, the whole screen will go red. There'll just be a red tint over everything, or kind of like a, a pinkish tint mm. over everything. And that's great and all, and it is fantastic to watch. And it's just really exciting, even if you're not 100% invested in what's going on. But there is towards towards the end when they get into this like chess game thing of it which has some great effects for 1966 but that like that energy kind of dies off towards the end but overall it's definitely it's definitely worth a look i mean it is an interesting movie okay and that's the creatures available on movie right now maybe i don't know if it's still on still, there. it might not be on there anymore <laughs> might not be i don't know well transitioning from that i saw sandy wexler the new adam we- sandler joint you trying to get some sleep? <laughs> no, I mean, I didn't really. Yeah, I was just, I was cleaning. <laughs> I was cleaning the apartment, and I, I didn't want to put anything on that I was gonna really have to dedicate, you know, a lot of attention towards. So I figured oh, I'll just throw on this, uh, this Adam Sandler thing. See what this is all what, about. What I would like you to do in the next year, okay? This is, this is, you have two things that you have to do for 2018 to post all right number one has to be a list of the best movies to cling to i could do Adam that Patterson. yeah i could do and that the best movies to put you asleep i could definitely do that yeah. <laughs> those two lists smurfs would be on the list <laughs> <laughs> and then that uh that cronenberg one and all the adam sandlers yeah, and every every Adam Sandler Netflix one. So this is the best one out of out of the what is it? This is the third one. This is the best one, but of course it's not saying anything. It's not yeah. saying anything at all because it's still terrible. It's uh, so basically Adam Sandler plays this uh, manager, talent manager in Los Angeles in the '90s, and he is he finds this uh, this woman singing at Magic Mountain. And she's played by um, Jennifer Hudson, and she's amazing. So he kind of takes her under his wing and helps cultivate her into this giant Whitney Houston-style celebrity. And holy crap, this movie is two hours and 11 minutes long. 
That is the first thing that you need to know about Sandy Wexler going into it. It is so mm. long. It's is is this the Sandler art house face? Um, I'll say that it, it's the the way th- this movie has a little bit of a different tone than his other ones. It's not as goofy and crass and stupid as his other movies, but it, it's it's does a lot of stupid and crass things. So it's like kind of in between uh, one of his other Netflix ones and something like. Uh, I don't know, Billy Madison or one of those. Little Nicky. I would I would put Little Nicky somewhere in there as well cuz his voice in this kind of sounds like the little oh, cool. the little Nicky voice. Oh gosh. <laughs> but when you look at the cast, so you have your main Sandler crew. You have your Kevin James, uh your Nick Schwartz and y- y- these are these are normal kind of uh, Rob Schneider too, of course, and he's he does like he plays this like Israeli billionaire guy that seems highly racist in his in his role, uh, but you have like Colin Quinn is in it. He's pretty funny. You have Terry Crews, and then you have a huge list of cameos and kind of guest spots. That's probably more than any other Sandler movie I've ever seen. I mean, it's it's unbelievable when you look at the cast list in here. You have like. <laughs> Uh, like Jane Seymour is in it. She plays his like horny neighbor, which is very strange to see Dr. Quinn medicine woman in that kind of role. Um, Arsenio Hall's in it. Quincy Jones, weird Al, Babyface is in it. Mace Mace is in it. Yeah. Rob Reiner, Chris Elliott. Uh, and then you have people like, um, Chris Rock doing guest spots and John Lovitz and, Judd Apatow's in there and Penn Gillette and, and the, the list just goes on and on. It's, it's outrageous how many people are in this movie <laughs> and Pauly Shore's in it too. Okay. Vanilla Ice is also in it. So oh, this, this sounds so awful. <laughs> so the whole, the, the movie takes place in the nineties. So it's just chock full of these nineties pop culture references. Way too many, way too many nineties pop culture references. Um, I will say that it made me laugh. I think there were maybe two jokes that made me laugh. I can't remember what they were right now, but it's still pretty, pretty much garbage. And I can't, I wouldn't recommend it to anybody. All right. I don't know how many of these Netflix movies he signed on for. I remember when the, like the news came out that he signed on for like five of them or something. And I remember reading like, Oh my God, that's ridiculous. We're three deep now. And it's like, I want to the thing about Adam Sandler is he can make good movies. I don't, I just don't get it. Like I don't get, I mean, maybe he's just, I think we talked about this before. I think he's just having fun working with his friends and just having a good time. Like, I don't think he really cares about the movie itself. Yeah. Did you get the cleaning done then? I did. Yeah. I, well, the thing is I got the cleaning done way before the movie was over. I would imagine. Yeah. And I, and I really hate turning off movies if I can avoid it. So I pretty much just, after the cleaning was done, I just sat there and dealt that's with it. A, that's the, the, I like the, the mental picture of this is you ending up trying to find things to clean in order it, yeah. to, to get yourself out of having to sit down and watch it. Cause you're like, oh fuck now I gotta watch this. I was thing. just, I was running, running the vacuum, like on, on my, uh, like all around my baseboards and stuff, just just to just to prolong it, just so I wouldn't have to hear his horrible voice. Gets out Q-tips. 
gets down on the baseboards. <laughs> Soaking light plates. Two hours and, and 11 minutes, Kevin. Like, it's unbelievable. It, it spans 20 years of this guy's career. It's unnecessary. It's just, it's too much. Just, it's unbelievable. Anyway, uh-huh. if you want to see it, it's on Netflix. No, no thanks. Uh, I have one that's slightly shorter at two hours. Now, I'm going to talk about this, but no, right out from the bat, I haven't finished this yet. Okay, haven't finished it. I don't know if I'm going to. I'm just going to be honest. Uh-oh. I don't know if I'm going to be able to do it. That's Birth of a Nation. Oh. From Nate, from Nate Parker. Okay. Uh, this movie's not good. I heard it wasn't good. But then no, th- then there was like the, all that controversy with him, and I was like, oh, I wonder if the movie's getting a bad rap because of that, if that's influencing people's reaction of it, or if it's actually just not good. No, it's just bad. It's just bad. I mean, like, yeah, he's a rapist too, but it's bad. He was acquitted. He was an accused rapist that was acquitted. So we can't. Yeah, he's, he, he raped. Um, it's a it's a TV movie, is what it is, and it's not a particularly good TV movie. It's just it's bad. I mean, it's the way it is. It's cut. Is it's just these little like I almost don't want to call them vignettes, right? They're just kind of like these little like bullet points where they're not even delved into that much you just kind of like okay here here's a portion of of the history okay then we cut to the next little scene okay this is another portion cut to the next scene it's almost like you you would see this at you know like a museum where you're doing it's a production with like local actors Mm. and a local filmmaker and you're like walking from you know like one little video to the next of like the history of Nate Turner here just going Nat Turner sorry I always get it mixed up because his name's Nate Parker I knew he meant and uh it, it feels like that and then they just put it all together it's just oof. it's it's tough to watch and I mean it's just so amateurish on just on like a really low level just, that's unfortunate because mm-hmm. I remember mm-hmm. when I first when I first heard about it I, I think it played Sundance or one of uh, one of the festivals. Yeah, they, they got bought for a ridiculous amount of money. Every person out of Sundance was like, "Oh my god, this is it, this is going to be it's going to make so much money. It's so great and everything." Yeah. And yeah, and I was kind of like you too, where I was like, "Oh, I wonder if the his his past being brought up if that's kind of affecting this." But you know, once I watching this thing, I'm just kind of like, "What happened at Sundance?" Like. What is this? What am I watching? The altitude. Like, this, this is not. People thought this was good. Like, who the hell are these people? Yeah, I don't know. I'll, I'll probably be skipping that. Unfortunately. It's a, yeah, don't don't even waste your time. All right, let's move on. Talk about some new releases. Next week in theaters, we have Free Fire, the new Ben Wheatley film. Mm-hmm. Pretty stoked about this. What do you think? I'm interested in seeing this one. It feels as though. This should have come out like the last year. Yeah. It seems like I, you know, like I heard about this movie for a decent amount of time for like weeks straight, like a year ago. And then I haven't heard anything. And now all of a sudden it's like Free Fire comes out. Yeah. I don't know what's, what's up with that. I think it looks like a pretty good time. I like the aesthetic. I like the seventies aesthetic. And I like the idea that it's, it appears as though the whole movie is going to take place in that one room, like that one warehouse. Yeah, and the whole movie is just going to be a shootout. I think that that's a cool. No, I do. Have, 
I do have to look up to see what that type of premise. The runtime. What's this movie good? Yeah, what's I'm not seeing it. Um <laughs> yeah, I don't see a runtime on it. I'm not sure. I think it'll be it should be manageable, I think. Yeah. We'll see. You also have Unforgettable. This is that one with Katherine Heigl, Marzara Dawson. Looks like a nineties movie. Not uh not great. Tune into uh tune into Ryan Watch's movie this week and we'll be talking about it more. The promise. Uh not which people are actually in that. Yeah. Yeah. It's got a really bad poster. Yeah, which is that's what kind of surprised because I was like, that that kind of looks like Oscar Isaac. Yeah, it's Oscar it's Isaac and Christian Bale too. Yep. Don't know mm-hmm. don't know. I haven't heard too much about this one. So I don't know, I guess I'll be keeping an eye on it, see what's going on. I think there's a reason you haven't heard about it. There's a new Disney Nature documentary, Born in China, which I think is about pandas. I'm sure that that'll be adorable. God, I love them pandas. Now, those Disney Nature docs are pretty good. Like I've seen, I've seen most of them. We get the Blu-rays for those, and they're they're pretty good. Phoenix Forgotten. Uh, I really don't know what this is all about. Based on tro- shocking true events of March 13, 1997, when several mysterious lights appeared over Phoenix, Arizona. I'm going to go ahead and say that it's not true. No, so it's a, uh, looks like it could be found footage. Yeah. Could be looking at a found footage movie here. Which, no. which really, we haven't had too many of those in 2017. Okay. I think the, the fad has is, is waned a little bit, thank, thank goodness. Yeah, and for the makers of Phoenix Forgotten, your movie should have came out like six years <laughs> yeah. ago. Yeah, yeah. Let's see what else we have here. The Student, we have Tomorrow, the... The Happiest Day in the Life of Ollie Mackie, or Maki. Yeah, I'm actually... This is going to be out on movie. if you got a movie subscription. Cool. Yeah. This looks pretty good. Slack Boy? <laughs> Slack Bay. Oh, whoops. Slack. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking, like, what? What is that? Uh, For some reason, yes. the poster looks like boy to me. Slack Bay. Slack Bay. This new, this the new Bruno Dumont. Which looks it looks slightly interesting. Yeah. People people like flying are floating. Yeah. Jeremiah Tower, the last magnificent. Yeah. Citizen Jane Battle for the City. it's uh, pretty much it for next week on new releases. Let's look at some VOD stuff. We have A Matter of Time that comes out on the eighteenth. The nineteenth we have Music to Madness, the story of Comitas. The Second Law, the further, advent- the further Adventures of Ants and Bull in No Man's Land. What? The what? The, uh, the Further Adventures of Ants and Bull in No Man's Land. Okay. Then on the 21st, we have Citizen Jane Battle for the City. Blu-ray next week. This is for Tuesday, April 18th. We have Soldiers of the Damned, Punching Henry. Love Thy Nature, Split, which is the M. Night Shyamalan one. You know, I didn't see it, but I heard the twist, and the twist makes me want to kind of give it a look, because the twist sounds pretty cool. It's twist the what now? For Split. <clears throat> so, it, so, it got, so this is one of those examples of a, of a spoiler. Yeah, that, that's actually, that actually makes me want to see the movie. Yep. <clears throat> the Founder? Did you see The Founder? You didn't see that yet. No, not yet. I don't think you'll like it. It's a pretty average biopic. There's some there's some moments, some good moments in there. 
Sleepless, that's one Jamie Foxx that kind of came and went. Yeah. That one came and went so fast. I remember seeing um, ads on the side of buses for that movie, and I'm like, what is that movie? I, I still have not seen a, a single trailer for it or anything. It just, yeah, just kind of flew under the radar. Yeah, and that's, that's, I want to see like an actual physical copy of it, because I don't know. I don't think it actually exists at all. I think that's just an internet thing. Could be. It's one of those, it's one of those internet things. It could. It definitely could be. Uh, there's a new DC animated movie coming out. It's a Teen Titans movie. Uh, a League of Their Own is getting a Blu-ray release. Really? Yeah. I, I figured that that would already have one. Yeah, maybe it's it's a 25th anniversary edition, so it is possible that there's some other version on Blu-ray out there. And they might just be cashing in that 25th anniversary. Uh, Donnie Darko is also getting a re-release. Yes, yeah. It's been remastered. Uh, came out in theaters for a short time, and yeah. now it's coming out on Blu-ray. Hearing a lot of people gibbering about that Donnie Darko, and I'm just like... Jibber-jabbering about some Donnie Darko? I'm just like, shut up. Shut the fuck up. Talk about something else. I, I have a feeling, because that was one of the movies that you and I, I'm pretty sure you loved it. I, I loved did it. like it. I, yeah. I loved it when I was younger. Nowadays, I don't know. I don't. I don't know if it would speak to me on the same level that it did back then. I mean, I'm sure. I'm sure I would still enjoy it, but I don't know. I don't know. I don't. I don't care enough to go see it again in the theater, buy this remaster, or anything like that. No thanks. I mean, if it happens, it happens at some point in time. I'll see it. Yeah. Who knows? What do we have on the old Criterion front next week? We have two for. We have uh, Buena Vista Social Club from Wim Wenders, 1999. It's that that music doc. I don't I, do you around you know nineteen ninety nine. I remember this being huge. It was huge. This movie was enormous. Everybody's listening to the soundtrack. Yeah, everyone man. had that soundtrack. Man. Yeah, that soundtrack was at the top of every single Borders shelf. <laughs> yeah, every it's single ridiculous. coffee shop in America was playing. It's ridiculous. Every every end cap was Buena Vista Social Club soundtrack. It was ridiculous. Every Borders had like eight thousand copies of that thing. Never, I never saw charged, it. They were all charging nineteen ninety nine yeah. for it. Never saw Don't the movie. When I business, uh, me either. It, it took me a really long time to find out that it was a movie. <laughs> I just thought it was a CD, it's like a nice, like a cool compilation. Yeah, and I was just like, oh, okay. It's just like a, a like a, a compilation of Cuba music. All right. And then I think like three years later, I figured it out. Very uh, very popular documentary. Yes. Yeah. Uh, that's also going to be, that's coming out on Blu-ray, but it'll also be available on iTunes and, uh, woman of the year from 1942. This is from George Stevens, which I know absolutely nothing about. So maybe watch it. Don't watch it. I don't care. It's your life. Well, there you have it next week on Blu-ray. Uh, I would probably, man, I don't even know which of these I would pick up. I would probably pick up. I didn't mention it, but arrows putting, putting out the night Evelyn came out of the grave from 1971. I just saw, I just saw that on Twitter, and I was like, "That movie sounds great." Yeah, I think that's that would, that's probably that would be my pick. That would be my pick too. Yeah. All right, there you have it. I think that that's going to do it for this week. Thank you so much for tuning in. You can send us your questions and topics to podcast at filmpulse.net. You can follow us on Twitter at filmpulse.net and at filmpulsekevin. If you have a minute, take a look at our Patreon page, patreon.com/filmpulse. Consider helping us out by becoming a subscriber. For Kevin Rakestraw, my name's Adam Patterson. We'll see you next week.